The views expressed on the following program of those of its hosts and participants in no way reflect those of the staff or management of WNRI. The pandemic, civil unrest, protest, and the road to the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro on this, uh, well, sunny Monday. Boy, there was quite a storm last night, wasn't it? My goodness. And you really saw it play out. What a big win by the Patriots. You know, I like this Patriot team. It's different. Um, but I like the way it's kind of coming together. I like we're seeing some different players. You can never underestimate Coach Belichick. I know a lot of people were jumping off. But I, I like this team. And it's a different type of team. But that was um, really terrific last night. Huge win. Huge win and keeps them in the mix. Well, good afternoon. Right now it's 107 on this Monday. And you're listening to the John DePietro Show either online at DePietro.com, D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com, or on 99.9 FM or on AM 1380. Uh, it doesn't matter. We try to make it so easy, folks, that people can listen. This portion of the program is brought to you by, remember, R.E. Coogan Heating Plumbing Services. Call them today, 732-6562. Call Coogs, R.E. Coogan Heating, 401-732-6562. Helpful, trustworthy, reliable. Plumbing, heating, and cooling. Let us into your home. Don't fix it alone. You can link right through at the website, which is petro.com. So where do things stand with the election? Where do things stand? President Trump tweeted last night, I won the election. Uh, President Trump is doing a lot of tweeting. We don't know where exactly where it stands. Um, I do know that over the weekend, that was incredible how over the course of the weekend, the amount of people that descended in Washington, that show their support. And we also know that um, closer to home, a lot of the Republican candidates are questioning the vote. And I want to be very clear. They need to question the vote. You need answers. We need answers. I don't believe the vote total. I don't. And I'm not talking about the president. I'm not talking about the president. I'm talking about some of the the local races. I don't believe that Congressman Cicilline received all those votes. Not legally. That needs to be exposed, folks. If not, it's going to become the norm. Whatever voting list they use and they're using this time, the Republican Party in Rhode Island needs to get on top of it. And they need to get on it immediately. Now, I'm looking at some different headlines. About four, about 0.5% of the state's population, one in every 200 people, has tested positive for COVID over the last seven days alone. All right, so it is definitely rocketing right now. Rhode Island reported an additional 16 COVID deaths and 2,394 new cases since the last report. That's a lot. I don't have to tell you. That is a lot. That is uh, certainly rocketing right now. Um, and as far as the, the lockdowns, I, I don't they, – they have to do something. The answer is not the schools. The schools should not be going to complete lockdown. Part of this is I think just – I did receive a message. And, again, folks, you can go to my website, petro.com, Click on Contact John. John, children need to be in school, especially children with IEPs. That's why I pulled – their child out of Cranston school, sent them to a private school. Children are not the vulnerable population for COVID. I know they're not, but the teacher unions are saying that they want a holiday pause. They want a holiday pause. They want that no one has to 
uh, go in right now, that no one has to go into school, and that's wrong. That's unfair to do. That's wrong to do to a lot of the uh, children. Now, I want to just mention the situation in Washington right now. Where does it stand? The Trump people are questioning the vote. And I'll say this. I know Rudy Giuliani has made some outrageous claims. Whatever they have, whatever evidence they have regarding voting, I agree a lot. From what we've heard, the, the patterns seem wrong. I think for the media, unfortunately, the media is looking for like a, a huge smoking gun blockbuster. Here's how they stole it. I don't know about that. I'm more concerned locally that they get to the root of I believe people were voting multiple times. I also want to just mention, I just saw a headline. Dying patients still refuse to accept they have COVID. Folks, there's nothing. I mean, there are people that think Elvis is alive. There are people that think the world is flat. Um, I I think it's unrealistic if people think that suddenly, as I was saying, that everybody kind of grows a brain during this. Everyone, they are who they are during this pandemic emergency right now. And they're not going to suddenly become smarter, more reasonable, uh, act more responsible. People are going to, if there's someone who's a nitwit, they're going to continue to be a nitwit or a dumbbell or whatever you, you know phrase you want to use. There are just people like that. There are people that walk out of the house in the morning and it's pouring rain and they don't have an umbrella. There are people who run out of gas. There are people who show up at the airport and they, they don't have a ticket. I mean, there's just, there are people that show up at Fenway Park and they don't have a ticket to get into a sold out game. I mean, you're not going to change human behavior. You can try to guide some of these people a little bit, but I, that's that's what I see. You can only give out so much information and then the people, they, they're just going to do what they're going to do. But I want to get into some of the sound um from the weekend and that was uh really incredible the amount of people that came out to support the president uh with all the supporters in washington if you haven't seen there was also the call it like a honking wave people gathering together stop the steal um people trying to just get some basic answers trump supporters hold rally in warwick that is true and there were the Trump people that were out there. And then, of course, they, they uh, show a photo of someone that was arrested, but he was being attacked. Um, and then you have um, the, the situation with the number of people that came out to Washington because they the media doesn't do anything to get to the root of why a lot of the people don't trust the information that they're that they're receiving, they don't want to be accountable for it. And but right now, folks, these COVID numbers: 05 percent of the state population, one of two hundred now, test positive for the last seven days. That's really on the rise. I I don't I don't know if they know what to do right now. I don't know if they if they know how to handle the second wave that's that's going on right now. I don't think I don't think any administration has a handle on it. Um, just how contagious this is. And the other part of this that it's certainly not comical. 
But another part of this is even when they get a vaccine, there are people that are not going to take the vaccine. I will. If they say we have a vaccine for it, I will take it. I get a flu shot. Um, so I know doctors. Some of, some of the smartest people I know are doctors. Not all. They make mistakes. But that's going to be a whole other problem. Are you have to accept there's just some people that are not going to come along for the ride here. There are some people that are not going to move out of where they are, which is just what everyone else is doing. But I do want to mention this story about the Democrat Party right now. Biden faces the Democrat Party straining at the seams. This is by Liz Goodwin. Democrats may have captured the White House. Doesn't mean their problems are over. A party that was stitched together by its fear and dislike of President Trump is already starting to strain the seams now that they've defeated him. Progressives and moderates on Capitol Hill are blaming each other for losing congressional seats while battling to determine the best legislative agenda and message to rally around. Since Election Day, the reckoning has taken place in contentious conference calls, dueling memos, and pointed media interviews in a preview of the challenges President-elect Joe Biden, who ran as a moderate, will face when he officially takes the helm of the fractured party in January. Biden has tried to stay out of the fight. But he's already under pressure from the left to stack his cabinet with progressives, even as the party's moderates beg them to tone down their rhetoric, talk to the center before the 2022 midterm elections. Biden has to be the leader we elect him to be, not Mitch McConnell's vice president, said a spokesperson for the Sunrise Movement. Liberal grassroots group pushes for aggressive policies to combat climate change. Meanwhile, in Congress, moderate Democrats are criticizing their liberal colleagues for embracing radical justice activists who push to overhaul police funding. Saying it costs the party support for more moderate suburban voters who back Biden but rejected down ballot Democrats. Defund the police. Defund my butt, West Virginia Democrat Joe Manchin said in a colorful tweet last week. We do not have some crazy socialist agenda. We do not believe in defunding the police. Representative AOC, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez of New York. Responded by tweeting a photo of herself dressed in white, glaring at Manchin as he applauded Trump. Each side is parsing over election data to bolster their point. Progressive claiming Biden won the election due to mobilizing Democrat-based voters, including young people and voters of color. While moderates point to Biden's gain with formerly former Republicans and mostly white suburban voters in the blue wall states of Wisconsin, Michigan and Pennsylvania. Progressives see a mandate for bold change. Moderates see many voters. Um, Moderates see many voters clamoring for a middle-of-the-road approach by splitting their ticket between Biden and the Republicans. Republicans may have picked up at least seven seats in the House with more races left to call. And some vulnerable GOP senators, including Susan Collins, held off well-funded Democrat challenges. That will likely leave Nancy Pelosi, one of the narrowest House majorities since World War II. While Democrats hope for control in the Senate and rest on the uphill task of sweeping two Georgia special elections in January. I think we still have to capture in the middle if we want to lead, said Steve Lynch, 
Congressman Lynch of Massachusetts. I've been there long enough to know there's a huge difference when you have a center with you. It can actually accomplish things. So in recent House Democrat conference calls, ones that featured tears and shouting, progressives pushed back on the characterization saying they believe they're being unfairly scapegoated. Lynch is among moderate House Democrats who believe Republicans were able to weaponize activist calls to, quote, defund the police in the wake of George Floyd's killing to defeat down-ballot Democrats whom they pointed as socialists and were successful, and they are, as a matter of fact. That was one of the better things that was done. And by the way, going forward, that is what I believe the Republicans need to do. They need more of that. They need, absolutely need more of that. They need to be on message. I don't think that is something that the Republicans were able to bring out in the Rhode Island races. And that is something, you know, that is a great issue. And it's a winning issue. And I don't know why, whether it's in Rhode Island or Massachusetts, they they need to seize on that. Because that is something that, like Elizabeth Warren, she doesn't want to answer. Right? She does not want to answer that question. Do you support defunding the police? Because they come up with the whole thing of let's we want to reimagine reimagine policing is how they try to answer that question. But as you know, you know that's that's not an answer, um, and it shouldn't um, it it shouldn't be allowed to stand in that way. But some of these schools that are switching to remote learning, you have to remember a lot of these schools they didn't want to go back in the first place. Uh, Trump. Tweets words, he won, says votes rigged, and he's not conceding. That's where we stand right now. Now, I know that Rudy Giuliani is trying to come up with some evidence, but I'm concerned locally with just where things are going to play out. Locally, they need to show, and I think they should be able to find um, some people that voted multiple times. People that voted that shouldn't have been allowed to vote. Um, They were ineligible to vote. You had a lot of uh, illegals that were voting. None of that should have been allowed. And that is what needs to come out. That's why they need to question the vote and really get to the bottom of the vote. I want to go to... um, I did. I did. Was there Saturday as a lot of the Trump people gathered post road in Warwick. I like how people that didn't go were saying they should be at the state house. Well, they feel more comfortable in Warwick, and it's just easier, and it's free parking, and it's safe. Even though one of them got arrested. This is the uh, Channel Twelve story. Right, for a twenty-four hour rally, organizers tell us they're they're taking a stand for the president, but also protesting Governor. Gina Raimondo's stay-at-home order. President Trump, that's still elected in office as a president. The news media is the one that says he's not elected. He is. For second, we're here because Governor Gina tells us we can't be out after 10 o'clock on weekends for her curfew. No, that's taking our constitutional right away. Now, people have been gathered since earlier today, and they plan to stay out there throughout the night. Now, I don't know about that. I left, I don't know what time I left, sometime after 2 o'clock. That was enough time to be there. Um, 
That was more than enough time to uh, be there, that's for sure. All right, folks, again, uh, good afternoon at 122 on this Monday. It's John DiPietro. So I, I want you to understand that the the COVID numbers are rocketing. And I, I don't, as someone that's been covering Governor Mundo, she does not want to close businesses. And she doesn't want to close schools. I mean, obviously, something needs to change right now. Uh, we are in the second wave. There's a good chance this could be worse than the first wave. And I also want to point out that that is something that that's, that science, you know, Dr. Fauci had been talking about. Dr. Fauci had been talking about. You know what else I want to also just mention? This story just broke today, and there's something we have been following. The Boston Globe, former Harvard fencing coach and Maryland businessman charged $1.5 million college admission bribery scheme. Now, we're going to talk about this Thursday with our attorney, legal expert Tim Dodd, but a former Harvard College fencing coach and a Maryland businessman arrested today federal charges alleging they conspired to secure admissions for the latter two sons in the Ivy League institutions, member of the fencing club, in exchange for $1.5 million in bribes. Former coach Peter Brand by the way, that's the name of uh, Jonah Hill's character in Moneyball of Cambridge. And businessman Jack Zao, 61 Potomac, faced charge, charges of conspiracy to commit federal programs bribery. Case long part of standing effort to expose, deter corruption in college admission. Um, the Globe began recording on the extraordinary financial maneuvers by Brandon Zao early last year starting with the purchase of the Harvard coach's Needham home at an inflated price at a time when his younger son was seeking admission to Harvard. Then there was the fencing fencing coach charities, fattened by the businessman's cash, and then the quiet Virginia land deal. The stories pitched Harvard into a rolling, roiling national conversation over the role money corruption play in college acceptances and thrust the low-profile sport of fencing into an ugly spotlight. That is true. The Globe were the ones that uncovered this whole thing. Harvard opened an investigation. They fired the coach, Peter Brand. U.S. Attorney's Office from Massachusetts convened a federal grand jury. And now you have both men indicted. The words of Lelling, whose office brought down a number of wealthy parents, former coaches, Varsity Blue, were echoed Monday by Joe, um, the special agent in charge of the Boston field office. Peter Brand, G. Zows, circumvent college admission process, exchanging more than $1.5 million in bribes for their personal benefit. Brand is slated to make an initial court, um, court appearance, federal court Boston, this afternoon. The other one's going to be arraigned in Maryland. Zow made $1.5 million in payments to Brand, or for Brand's personal benefit. Uh, he paid for his car, made college tuition payments for Brand's son, paid the mortgage on his Needham residence, later purchased the resident way above market value, which allowed Brand to buy a more expensive residence in Cambridge that Zhao paid to renovate. I didn't know about that. Zhao's younger son matriculated to Harvard three years ago, 2017. Hired, uh, Harvard fired him. I don't know about the land deal. Um... According to a criminal complaint, the coach, Brandon and his spouse, who worked for the city of Cambridge since 2007, having financial troubles between 2009-2012. I still do not think you understand that our Bank of America account does not have overdraft protection. We can barely pay the bills. 
his spouse emailed him in February 2009, according to the complaint. Spouse added, I spent my inheritance money for tuition for blank. I'm sorry you cannot use your ATM card whatsoever. If it happens again, we'll need to cut your card. 2012, Brand came into the orbit of Zhao, whose eldest son at the time was a high school sophomore and accomplished fencer. Um, the co-conspirator told investigators Zhao wanted his oldest son to attend Harvard. Initially, Brand was non-committal about recruiting him. However, Brand texted the conspirator, "Don't have to be great fences. Brand just needed a good incentive to recruit the boys." That text came less than two weeks after the spouse had warned the couple had maxed out their equity line of credit. According to the complaint, a lead scheme was hatched that would resolve Zhao making purported donation to the fencing charity, which would then make a phony donation to a nonprofit. Brand was planning to start. February 2013, the complaint said Zhao paid $1 million to the co-conspirators' charity as a purported donation. Largest single payout the charity had ever received by far. May of that year, Brand and his spouse started Peter Brand Foundation. Same month, Zhao, 90 days removed from donating $1 million, stepped down as vice president, citing his busy schedule. October 2013, after Harvard Missions Committee deemed the son older mission likely, Brand texted the co-conspirator, your man is good to go. Don't say anything until we receive the call from admissions. Zhao's younger son got his acceptance letter in December 2013. Zhao emailed an attached copy to Brand saying, hi boss, it's official now. Thank you what you really did, really appreciate it. The Brand Foundation received tax-exempt status in July. Two weeks later, the spouse emailed a lawyer. For the co-conspirator fencing charity expressing dissatisfaction with the charity's proposed contribution of the Brand Foundation. The fencing charity donated 100000 to the Brown Foundation, a contribution paid for with funds from Zhao's earlier million-dollar gift to the fencing charity. Ultimately, prosecutors say only 100000 was transferred from the charity to the Brand Foundation. Lazal later started to make direct payments to Brand. So they tried to do it through this charity, and then they only got 100000 And after the guy had given a million, ultimately, only 100000 was transferred. The payments included more than 7000 towards Brand's son's college tuition, 32000 to pay the son's educational loans, 119000 towards the mortgage on the Needham home, 2500 for Brand's water and sewer bill, now they're paying that. And 34000 for a car loan. Brand later helped facilitate the admission of the younger son into the summer of 2016. Same time, he agreed to buy Brand's home for 989440000 dollars over the property assessed value. <laughs> Brand used the proceeds to buy a Cambridge condo for $1.3 million. Um, the Needham assessor wrote, this prop, this selling of the property makes no sense. The younger son got his Harvard letter, indicating admission was likely. Letter arrived. Boy, they the feds have it down. Do they? The home sold. Uh, he listed the home for six ninety nine, three hundred thousand less than he bought it for. Home sold for six sixty five. Prosecutors know the Globe published a series of articles April twenty nineteen about the brand sale of the Needham home. Who told the newspaper he bought the property investment also want to improve the quality of life? Lengthy commute of 11 miles from Needham to Cambridge. So anyway, listen, folks, I want to follow up. I think that's really interesting. That is, whether people like it or not, 
Uh, that is excellent work by the investigative team of the Boston Globe. It just is. No one can say anything differently. So now, right now, it is 1.30 on this Monday. Where do things stand with the election? Well, right now, uh, the, the ball is certainly in the court of the president and Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani has made some claims, and it's very simple. They need to start to show some of these claims. They need to start to show that there was voter fraud. I do think it was early that some people jumped out on this and claimed that they didn't think it was legitimate. And some people that made accusations that that they felt it was over all, you know, it was already over. I don't I'm not on board with that. But it's at the same time, um, any information they have that could show something different than what we are seeing right now. This would be a pretty good time to put that information forward. Right. This is like the ultimate speak now or forever hold you peace. If there's anything you have, and by the way, I think it is there. I think it's tough to find. Um, Like I've told many of you, I think locally a lot of this is people were voting who should not have been allowed to vote. That's where it begins and ends. And that's who you want to question. Some of these people that are on the voter rolls, how did they get on these voter, voter rolls? Who allowed them to? I know right now there's someone listening. That he brought his son to get one of those state IDs to vote, and they never asked him for any ID that he is who says he is. So if they're not checking him, um, they're not. You know who are they checking then? Who are they? Who are they uh, checking? Hey, I'm also seeing that Channel Ten right now is dealing with. Um, they have some a lot of COVID cases, from what I understand. I didn't realize that. Channel 10, cluster positive cases. Three sources of the station, half a dozen people have tested positive the last two weeks. Uh, three spoke anonymously. Um, uh, let's see. Referred comments to the parent company. Slower than other stations. More people have to work there in person compared to other stations. So that's interesting. Now, that is being reported by the Providence Journal. That is not being reported. I didn't know that. That I guess Channel 12 has more people working from home or remotely, as they say, compared with the Providence Journal. Or excuse me, Channel 10, who was then making people uh, go in, making them work from there. So uh, let's see. if Now, Channel 10, they, that is news. I don't know why they wouldn't report that. It can happen. They have an outbreak. A lot of these news organizations, Fox News had an outbreak. The White House had an outbreak. Um, a lot of places have had an outbreak. It is, it, it's, it's challenging. It can be done. You have to be cautious right now. I think, um, I don't think they're wrong about also about Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving definitely, Thanksgiving definitely could, could certainly, uh, Proved to be a problem as far as the spread. I don't, and I, here's the thing. I don't know what the solution is right now. We're, we are definitely in, um, an un, unprecedented time right now. So I'm also seeing Trump picked up votes in Rhode Island cities, Biden gained in the suburbs. So President, um, let's see. Here's, uh, Patrick Anderson. Providence Democrat Jose Batista, newly elected to the House of Reps at the State House, unopposed in the general election. Isn't surprising. In 2016, only 
of the South Providence District votes for a Republican candidate. What's more surprising, this year only one other Rhode Island House district posed a larger increase in share voters to President Trump. The biggest 2016 to 2020 swing, dozen percentage points, was in Central Falls. Biden took 74% of the vote compared to 86% four years ago. President Trump's performance in Rhode Island broadly tracked the nation. He received more votes this year, just under 200,000, than in 2016. Biden supposedly did better. Biden flipped 10 General Assembly districts that Trump won in 2016, six in the House and four in the Senate. Among the formerly Trump-friendly districts when blue this year was uh, Joe Sakachi's district in Warwick. Also, like the rest of the country, Biden's biggest gains came in upscale suburban, while Trump cut into Democrat with black and Latino voters. This is very important. Central Falls, it's most, mostly towards Trump. District 72 in Portsmouth, which for years had bounced between Democrat and Republican, moved nearly six percentage points away from Trump. That shift helped Democrat Rep. Terry Cordovie beat former Rep. Ken Mondanka to keep the seat. Other House districts with more than a five-point blue swing were in Warwick, Newport, East Greenwich, and Westerly. On the flip side, the five House districts with the largest Republican shift, in addition to 56 in Central Falls, were all non-Eastside neighborhoods of Providence. To be sure, Biden still won these districts comfortably, and Trump's improvement came only winning single-digit percentages in 2016. Um, many observers have warned the progressive message isn't playing well in all kinds of working-class areas. Socialism is a big problem with Latinos. Socialism has become a dirty word in Latino politics, and it's understandable. How about that? The highest-profile General Assembly race this year took place in Cranston, District 15, President Trump took 55% of the vote four years ago. This district, Bob Rand Fenton Fung, beat House Speaker Nick Mattiello, favored Trump again this year. But at Biden added four percentage points to Clinton's total. Biden took 90% of the vote of the Providence Eastside District 1. Um, Eastside was also home to Biden's strongest Senate district. 89%. Can you imagine with that Gail Golden? Trump took 61% of the two-party vote in his best House district, home to Rep. Mike Chippendale of Foster. His best Senate district is home to uh, Gordon Rogers, also of Foster. So, folks, that's just a little bit of a breakdown. But nationally right now, uh, the president's people, I, I think they don't know what to do. Because I think, obviously... With all the results over the weekend, if you're the president, I mean, you have all those people come to Washington. And it's true. It's not like the president does have any support. But I, what, what, what we need is this. As I said, if they have any evidence, I agree with those that say it has to be presented. Because otherwise, just how long is this? Is this going to go on? And as you look at it, folks, listen, and I want to be practical right now. I'm going to wait to see what the White House says and what they do. And right now, good afternoon. It's 137 on this Monday. Let's just say they end up saying that Biden won. Well, two years from now, I believe the Republicans will take the House and they'll probably gain seats in the Senate. And the progressives over the next two years are going to really go to war 
and hurt the Democrat Party. And then if, if that happens, which I think it will happen, should that happen, in two years, they will Republicans will take over the House. They're going to take over the Senate, which they already control. I mean, hold the Senate, but build on that. And then four years from now, they will probably recapture the White House. And if the president feels good and wants to, and if the timing is right, then President Trump actually would be free to run again. But the, <clears throat> I believe the largest focal, focal point right now is what's happening with COVID. Folks, the next few months are going to be very, very difficult. Again, good afternoon. It's John DePietro. Um, we are entering a new age of pandemic. Um, I'm just reading some things right now, some headlines. We're going to be dealing with this virus for many, many years, if not for the rest of our lives. It is so important. See, I believe we have to adapt. Everyone kept thinking, let's just get through the summer. And then we're going to be all set with the virus and they're going to have the vaccine. Um, but. We, we, we don't have that, and we're no, nowhere close to that. And I, I think the next frontier here, number one, you have people that have it that are in the hospital, supposedly. They're dying of the virus, and they don't believe they have it. I don't know how you combat that. I want to just also read COVID media tidbits. WPRI is sending more people to work remotely, spreading people out more in the East Providence offices, two folks told me. Emails went out Friday and Monday. This comes as the virus surges in Rhode Island. At Channel 10, the people have been going into Channel 10, and apparently they've had an outbreak at Channel 10. So I guess people at Channel 10 are complaining that... They don't have to. Um, Channel 10 people are complaining that people are not spreading out enough in the newsroom. And as a result of that, they have an outbreak at Channel 10. So I also want to read this. Um, let's see. Uh, the Senate is exploring state owned alternatives to the convention center. State Senate now for off-site socially distanced meetings. It appears increasingly likely the governor is going to activate a field hospital. And she's also seeking to increase the testing at the convention center. The second field hospital will be activated is located at the convention center. So they're looking to try to find a place to meet. I think they could meet at the Veterans Auditorium where the governor has her press briefings where we go each Wednesday. Um, they have a good setup there. It's right across from the state house. They could walk over. There's plenty of room. Uh, they have the room might. Uh, to me, that seems like an automatic, but um, I don't know. Now, folks, there is good news, by the way, on this Monday at 141, and that's that modern COVID vaccine trial. It, supposedly, it's they're saying that it's very, very effective. And that is important. But I, I'm just saying, I don't, even if they come out with one, I just think there's so many people right now that are either paranoid or not trusting the system that I think there's a lot of people that wouldn't even take the vaccine. 
Here's a headline. Nearly 70,000 people hospitalized in the U.S. due to complications with COVID. Tents of care units around the country run out of space and supplies. Now, also, did you know there's a Category 5 hurricane right now? My goodness, the news is not good. Um, I don't know. Uh, it, it's all about the hospital space. It's all about hospital space. Um, you have to have room because people have to go to the hospital. That's what it, to me, that's what it really comes down to is whether or not if, if someone you know has a heart attack, whether or not there's room for them in the hospital. Now, Good Morning America this morning had House and um, uh, Human Secretary Alex Azar discuss the next step for this vaccine distribution. I want to play a little bit of this because this is interesting. We had him on the program, for those of you who may remember, back in uh, May. And the president said back in March that he hoped to have a vaccine in 12 months. And Tony Fauci interrupted him and said, well, maybe 18 if we're optimistic. And here we are 10 months from the date when this virus hit our shore. And we've got a second 90 percent plus effective vaccine for the American people. This is really a historic day. Uh, And we hope that uh, because of Moderna and Pfizer's vaccines, which we've already been producing, to have enough by the end of December to vaccinate 20 million of our most vulnerable citizens. So that's 20 million by the end of December. Who's going to get it first? Uh, well, we're going to follow the guidance once the full data package is in. That We're going to follow the guidance of CDC. Uh, and they'll look at, is it senior citizens in nursing homes? Is it first responders and healthcare workers? It'll be wherever it's going to add the most value according to the data and the science and the recommendations of our experts. How about broader distribution over time? The states say they need billions more to administer and track these vaccines. They've only gotten a little under $200 million. Uh, well, we'll ensure the states have whatever funding is needed, but it's really important. Some of our states just are still operating under a misconception. They don't actually touch the vaccine. This all goes through private distribution channels, goes to the CVS's, Walgreens, pharmacies, health centers, hospitals. Uh, some of our governors, we just we're going to we're having a call with the governors again this afternoon with the vice president, and we'll work to keep getting that understanding there. But we'll get them whatever they need. We're going to make sure this is a good vaccine, good distribution process for these historic vaccines. The president is question whether the announcement of, of the Pfizer vaccine and, and Moderna were held until after the election. Do you, until after the election. Do you buy that? Well, we've made it clear. I've made it clear there'll be no politicization of these processes. And I'm, I just assume everybody else involved similarly is calling balls and strikes based on science data and evidence. And that is certainly what we're going to do. It's just let's be celebrating right now. We have two vaccines that are with massive development programs, over 90 percent effective. George, in public health, we do not get 90 percent plus effective vaccines often. And here we have two vaccines with that type of efficacy and clean safety profile. Well, folks, again, now, good afternoon. It's John DePietro. I want to just replay part of that. Again, that was this morning on Good Morning America. And this is the latest on the vaccine. And this is very important um, because... Again, this morning, the second week in a row, we're starting out with good news on a vaccine. Yeah, George, I'm just delighted to be with you first on GMA to break the news about this Moderna vaccine. Uh, I stood with President Trump in March with Tony Fauci in the very lab at NIH where we engineered this vaccine on January 13th. And the president said back in March that he hoped to have a vaccine in 12 months. And Tony Fauci interrupted him and said, well, maybe 18 if we're optimistic. And here we are 10 months from the date when this virus hit our shore. And we've got a second 90 percent plus effective vaccine for the American people. 
people. This is really a historic day, uh, and we hope that uh, because of Moderna and Pfizer's vaccines, which we've already been producing, to have enough by the end of December to vaccinate 20 million of our most vulnerable citizens. So that's 20 million by the end of December. Who's going to get it first? Uh, well, we're going to follow the guidance once the full data package is in, that we're going to follow the guidance of CDC, uh, and they'll look at, is it senior citizens in nursing homes, is it first responders and healthcare workers, it'll be wherever it's going to add the most value according to the data and the science and the recommendations of our experts. How about broader distribution over time? The states say they need billions more to administer and track these vaccines. They've only gotten a little under $200 million. Uh, well, we'll ensure the states have whatever funding is needed, but it's really important. Some of our states just are still operating under a misconception. They don't actually touch the vaccine. This all goes through private distribution channels, goes to the CVS's, Walgreens, pharmacies, health centers, hospitals. Uh, some of our governors, we just, we're, gonna, we're having a call with the governors again this afternoon with the vice president, and we'll work to keep getting that understanding there, but we'll get them whatever they need. We're going to make sure this is a good, vac good distribution process for these historic vaccines. The president has questioned whether the announcement of, of the Pfizer vaccine and, and Moderna were held until after the election. Do you buy that? Well, we've made it clear. I've made it clear there'll be no politicization of these processes. And I'm, I just assume everybody else involved similarly is calling balls and strikes based on science data and evidence. And that is certainly what we're going to do. It's just, let's you know what's amazing, folks, is let's, let's face it. Here is... And again, good afternoon. It's John DePietro on this uh, Monday. Right now it's 147 on this Monday. Here's the problem, as you're hearing with Stephanopoulos. They don't want to give President Trump any credit while he's in prepared. They don't want any news about a vaccine while President Trump is in office. They don't. I don't know how this is going to turn out. Uh, but they don't want that. They want any news about a vaccine. They want to hold off until they believe when Biden takes office. That's what's really going on. Hey, this... Thanksgiving, remember, order your Thanksgiving pies from Ron's Pastry Gourmet. Orders must be placed by next Monday. Look for them on Facebook. You can call them at 228-7099. Get the Trump famous apple pie, Trump apple pie, blueberry pie, chocolate cream, banana cream, pumpkin, custard, coconut custard. Order your Thanksgiving pies at Ron's Pastry Gourmet. All orders must be placed by next Monday, November 23rd. Call them 401-228-7099. Ron's famous Trump apple pie, blueberry pie, chocolate cream, banana cream, pumpkin, custard, coconut custard. Ron's Pastry Gourmet. It's John DePietro on this um on this Monday. And again, it is, um, we're, we're waiting to try to get some developments, exactly what's happening in Washington. Now, last night, President Obama was on 60 Minutes. This is where President Obama uh, talks about that he feels that President Trump should basically concede the election. Is your advice in this moment for President Trump? Well, a president is a, a public servant. They are temporary occupants of the office by design and when your time is up uh, then it is your job to put the country first and think beyond your own ego and your own interests and your own disappointments um, my advice to President Trump uh, is if you want at this late stage in the game to be remembered as somebody who put com country first uh, it's time for you to do the same thing. In your view, it is time for him to concede. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I think it was time for him to concede 
probably uh, the day after the election, uh, or at the latest two days after the election. Uh, when you look at the numbers objectively, uh, Joe Biden will have one handily. There is no scenario in which uh, any of uh, those states would turn the other way, and certainly not enough to reverse uh, the outcome of the election. Now, I also want to get to this part where he talks about, this is a new word they've come up with, instead of truth decay, truth decay. I titled it The Promised Land because even though we may not get there in our lifetimes, even if we experience hardships and disappointments along the way, uh, that I at least still have faith we can uh, create a more perfect union. Not a perfect union, but a more perfect union. You write in the book... Our democracy seems to be teetering on the brink of a crisis. What do you mean? We have gone through a presidency that disregarded a whole host of basic institutional norms, uh, expectations we have for a president that uh, have been observed by Republicans and Democrats uh, previously. Uh, And maybe most importantly uh, and and, uh, most disconcertingly, what we've seen is what some people call truth decay. (laughs) Something that's been accelerated by outgoing President Trump. This sense that not only do we not have to tell the truth, but the truth doesn't even matter. You know, the problem I have with that, and right now it's 151. Good afternoon. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. DePietro.com, which is brought to you by Allstate Lock, experts in locking systems and building security. Call them 401-349-0042 or online, AllstateLock.com. The problem that I have with that, what he's just saying about this truth decay that they're trying to pin all of this on President Trump is what about the Russian collusion? That was a lie. What about spying on the campaign while the president was running against Hillary Clinton? The Russian the, the Russian into Russian interference into our election. Folks, that was a complete lie. It's just they, they have real nerve at this point in the game. To talk about, let's get back to telling the truth. They were never telling the truth. They continue not to tell the truth. And they have someone from outside that came in. Now, as many of you know, like many of you, I've been a Trump supporter. I don't I don't think they were fully prepared just how much the inner workings of the government were going to be against an outsider coming in and taking over in this manner. And I think we, we're seeing a, we've seen a good example of it. But this business of let's get back to telling the truth, they, they don't tell the truth. They don't tell it the truth about what their objections, what their objectives are. Um, they, they play fast and loose with the truth. And suddenly now they feel they're the moral, moral authority on the truth. President Trump, I think part of his appeal to me and you and all the Trump supporters are someone that finally was laying it bare. Of letting people know exactly here it is. That's that's why people like him. That's why people follow him. That's why people support him. This business that somehow you're supposed to have evidence that there was voter fraud. I, I don't 
I'm telling you right now, at 153 on this Monday, 154 actually, I don't have confidence in our voting system. And the Secretary of State, Nellie Gorbia, she doesn't give us reason to have confidence in our voting system. They won't make the voting lists available. In other states, they're available. She says she hides it for the purpose of she wants to prevent identity theft. I don't believe that. They don't want it vetted. They don't want people taken off the rolls. The voter rolls, as you know, in our area, they're way larger than what they should be. The 60 Minutes, granted, they couldn't wait to get President Obama on. Um, and I also, I want to play this part where he talks about partisanship. To someone diametrically opposed to everything we stood for. That may be the one thing that uh, Donald Trump and I agree on, <laughs> is that he doesn't agree with me on anything. I don't see him as the cause for our divisions and the problems with our government. I think he's an accelerant, but they preceded him and sadly uh, are going to likely outlast him. You write in the book that Republicans had a battle plan to, quote, refuse to work with me, regardless of the circumstances, the issue or the consequences for the country. Now, the same might be said of Democrats in a Republican administration. Yeah. I wonder if today you think that Democrats and Republicans are no longer capable of compromise. First of all, I don't think this is a plague on both their houses here. So the Democrats opposed George Bush on a whole bunch of stuff. But Ted Kennedy worked with George Bush to pass uh, a prescription drug plan for seniors. Nancy Pelosi, who adamantly opposed the war in Iraq, time and again voted, even when her base was angry about it, to make sure that our troops were funded once the decision uh, to send in troops to Iraq uh, went in. Mr. Obama blames gridlock on something old and something new. The Senate's filibuster tradition, which allows whatever party is in the minority to block legislation and non-traditional media. The media landscape has changed. And as a consequence, voters' perceptions have changed. So that I think Democratic and Republican voters have become much more partisan. I would often hear this from Republicans uh, during my presidency. Some of these folks have been colleagues of mine. I, would, I served in the Senate. Some of them were friends of mine. And they would confess to me. I said, look, Mr. President, I know you're right, but if I vote with you on this, I'm going to get killed. I'll lose my seat because what had happened is their voter base had soaked in so much information that was demonizing me, demonizing the Affordable Care Act, that it becomes very difficult even for folks who want to cooperate to cooperate. And that's why uh, I am somebody who does not blame the current partisanship solely on Donald Trump or solely on social media, you already saw some of these trends taking place early in my presidency, but I do think they've kept on getting worse. And folks, again, good afternoon. It's John DePietro. What's going to happen here, though, is the progressives, the progressives operate. That was President Obama last night on 60 Minutes. The progressive agenda and just the way they operate and do business is it's non-negotiable demands. It's non-negotiable demands. See, I think as someone that has really watched this, 
I think it really started when President Obama won and then the Tea Party started. Some of the comments you heard from Congressman David Cicilline and Senator Sheldon Whitehouse were Tea Party wackos, Tea Party crazies. Congressman David Cicilline had the famous quote, I've seen some of these Republicans up close. And let me tell you, they're scary. You know, treating them like they were foreign aliens. That's where it started. I also heard recently someone say that they thought that President Trump became this way because of the Tea Party in 2016. The Tea Party wasn't even around in 2016. The Tea Party really thrust in 2010 to 2012, right in that wave. But you don't see the Tea Party as effective anymore. You don't. President Trump took some of that energy, harnessed it. But what they don't want to talk about is how people like Congressman David Cicilline, AOC, that they don't want to work with the other side. They don't want to work with anyone. They don't even want to work with other Democrats right now. They have their own progressive agenda. Well, folks, on this Monday at 159, it's John DePietro. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to have the 2 o'clock news. The John Dion program is coming up. Remember, if you're ever in an accident, call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. West Fountain Auto Body will repair your vehicle. The COVID numbers are going up. Coming up on Wednesday, we will be at the Governor Armando press briefing. I'll be there. If you want to get in touch with me, visit the website, depetro.com. And if you have a question for the governor, you can also uh, do that and also submit a question. If you want to advertise or get a hold of me, visit the website, depetro.com. also has a link to all of my social media. So stay tuned. Two o'clock news is next. Then the John Dion program. We're back tomorrow at 11. If you missed any part of the program, right now it's two o'clock.